Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat learning session with TBA rabbinic intern Cheva Lerman. So can someone tell me about the nature of Jewish humor? Self-deprecating? Yeah? Anything? <laughs> is there anything, anything to Jewish humor other than it being self-deprecating? Mock authority, yeah. Sarcastic, great, we're gonna come back to that. Anything else? Laughter is the best medicine. Yeah, laughter can take us through some pretty hard times. So um, we'll come back to that question. We start the Parshat Pashalach this week, and a few verses in, we get this passage on Exodus 14, verse eight. Could someone uh, read for me from uh, this full excerpt from eight to 12? Um, in either Hebrew or English. ויראו מאוד, ויצעקו ויאמרו אל משה, המבלתי אין כבר מצרים לקחתנו למות במדבר? מה זאת עשית לנו להוציאנו ממצרים? הלא זה הדבר אשר דיברנו אליך במצרים למות. חדל ממנו ונעבדה את מצרים, כי טוב לנו עבוד את מצרים ממותנו במדבר. So this includes one of my favorite passages in all of Torah. And when I told this to a few friends, they said, that's your favorite passage. But I'll tell you, it's this, this section that I put in bold, and I'm not going to read it aloud in English because I want someone else to try doing that in several different tones. Imagine that you are an actor looking at this moment, this script. How would you intone this line? Like you're from Brooklyn. Okay, how would it sound if you were from Brooklyn? Oh, no, for want and grace of Egypt, like this, really? <laughs> what? Yeah, you can, you can imagine saying it. What, what is another way in which you might say this, this pasuk here? Angrily. What would it sound like if you said it angrily? Yeah, like with, with like with some real frustration there. That was great. Um, any anything else? Yes, Joe. Uh, can you pass the microphone down? <clears throat> was for want of graves in Egypt that he brought us to die in the wilderness? Like what? What is this? Like what's going on here? Uh, any any other thoughts on how this might sound? I heard an um. Was that a was that? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Sure, okay. Sure yeah. There's a whole range of whole, Jewish whole, humor. Whole this, so yeah, and we're not going to talk exclusively about Jewish humor, but I want to tell you this moment, which is in a lot of ways, a desperate one, right? The, the Jews have left Egypt, They're, they've crossed the sea, and God stiffens Pharaoh's heart one more time, and they panic because they see Pharaoh's chariots behind them, coming for them across the sea, and they think, we did all of that effort, we made it all of this way just to die in the desert. And they're, they're really scared. But this line is not, it's not direct, right? It's not just 
They're not saying, oh no, we're going to die, God help us. They say it in this way of like, what? For lack of graves in Egypt, we came here? We couldn't have died there? You know, so it sounds different. It sounds different. And Robert Alter, the biblical scholar, notes that this is the very first thing we ever hear the people of Israel say in Torah. This is the very first time we hear their voice. Yes, Alan? We haven't gotten there yet. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Not seven Ishmael will come later. <laughs> so this is the first time we hear them say anything. <laughs> We all have our moments, right? Um, so they're fetching right off the bat. Exactly. History is made. They're being sarcastic and funny about it, right? Which is why I said we're going to come back to that. But they're also scared out of their minds, right? You can't. Right. They know it's not really true. There was a lack of graves in Egypt, but they're saying it anyway because they might be mocking in the face of fear. They might be making light of something because they can't face it. There's a lot of different. Yes. Well, contract hard work, I feel that it hurts. That is crushing. That is, that's disheartening, you know, it, and. It's very disheartening when it happens. This is a, this is a difficult moment for them. Um, why have we not heard their voice before? And if you're comfortable using the microphone, we'll try to pass that back and forth a little bit more. Um, I'm not you can pass the mic down. using a microphone. They weren't, they weren't involved. It was between God and Moses. You know, I mean, they were just there, you know, watching the plagues and happy they're not being hit with it. And uh, and uh, time to go with freedom is good. They were celebrating when they made it. Mm -hmm. And now they're scared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I was like, sir, there's a couple of times when we kind of almost hear their voice. So, I mean, the first time is when they cry out to God, right? Like right before um, when the a Pharaoh dies. I think, and there's a new pharaoh, and they cry out to God, and God remembers them, but they don't say any. There's no quote, and the, like, there's no sentence there. It's sort of this like mass cry. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you can sort of say that now that they're free-ish, they're starting to enunciate their thoughts more clearly, like more getting into what free people would do. Mm. And and what do they do? I'm just gonna stay on this one moment before we go to your comment, Marshall. What do they do with this first statement? as free people they kvetch also if you turn to the next page they ask to go back into slavery yeah. right their first right. statement as free people is to say please don't make us free people right so we're going to come back to that okay well, i'm not really sure i'm not i am not really sure if they're kvetching because if i looked at the sentence beforehand mm -hmm. what does it say there um let me pull it in front of me by yira uma by they were very very frightened and then what do they do then they cried out to God. And then there's a pause, right? No answer, no answer. Okay, what are they going to do next? They're going to say, el Moshe. Then they go to Moses. Are there any graves in Egypt? This is not a kvetching. This is a moment of absolute fear for them. And Right. Are they challenging God or Moses' leadership is a good question, which brings us back to Jews can be very anti-authoritarian, right? There, there is a real question here of I'm struggling with the per, the person or the God that has brought me to this place right now. Right. And the commentators really zoom in on a couple of things in this verse. One is that is that sa'aka to God, that shout to God. Um, Rashi's comment on, on that pasuk is that that was not a yell. It was a prayer. 
that in this moment of desperation, they turned to the only tool they had at their disposal, which was to pray just like their ancestors had prayed. Rosemary? Mm -hmm. I'm going to repeat that for the folks on Zoom, that it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a ridiculous question, because if they were really thinking about it, they would realize how all the blessings they've been given by being brought out of Egypt and being free at this point, that God has been holding them and saving them and redeeming them. And, right, and the column leading them through the desert is, um, and, and all they say in this first moment is, like, why, why are we here in the first place? Yeah. Um, oh, we know the sea's about to part, but they don't necessarily know that yet, right? So they might just be confused. Like, like literally, they took us out of Egypt, all these 10 plagues, it looks like they're going to be saved, but now they're about to die. Like, what was the point of that? You know, they might really just be trying, like, uh, wondering. Right. Yeah. Hmm? They're completely scared. They are. So there's this moment in which it seems like they're having a crisis of faith. Would you say that that's a fair assessment of this moment? Yeah. So they're... <laughs> yeah, so these... So Israelis are very straightforward. They'll say what's on their minds, which is what they're doing. Yeah. That's an interesting because theory. They, they didn't have you know, faith didn't in the first place. Let's have one speaker at a time, please. Say, say that again. There's no point. At no point uh, uh, are they demonstrating faith other than leaving because for a bad situation, which is just being smart. Right. Know? So that's a good segue that they weren't demonstrating faith by leaving on the next page let's continue i've included the verses that come immediately after that and i've included them primarily to show you what rashi's comment is on this moment so could somebody read rashi's comment in english this is on exodus 14 uh, chapter 14 verses 13 through 15 but moses said to the people have no fear stand by and witness the deliverance which god will work for you today for the Egyptians who you see today, you will never see again. God will battle for you. You hold your peace. Then God said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Thank you. And can you keep reading the Rashi comment? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, speak unto the children of Israel that they journey onwards. There is nothing for them to do but to journey on, for the sea will not stand in their way their ancestors' merits in their own, and the faith they placed in me so that they left Egypt will suffice to divide the sea for them. From mm -hmm. to Rabbi Yishmael. Can someone summarize Rashi's comment in your own words? Yeah. They have no choice but to move forward. They're between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. These are the people who did have faith because they were the ones who left, who trusted God and walked out. So... Moving forward here with this, holding this question of what does it mean to have faith or question faith, and how do you show that? Do you show that in your words or with your feet? Um, rabbi Nathan Lopez Cardozo, who is a modern Orthodox rabbi in Israel, he makes this claim that the history of Jewish people is defined not by its faith or belief, but by its disbelief. That every moment that is important has this moment of a question or a crisis of some. Rambam also, yes. But, but Rambam has a little bit of a different view of it. Do you want to say more? Okay, we'll get to Rambam. He is here. So, um, right, so faith is one thing, but blind faith is something else. And blind faith is not what's being asked of us, even in this moment of walking out of Egypt. Yes, absolutely. So um, what 
say more about what the role is of belief and faith in Judaism. How do you hold that in your life? It doesn't have to be for you. It's an open question. Faith, yes. Belief, maybe. Might as well have, have faith. <laughs> yeah. Holding faith without relying on it. Yes. She was saying that our the tradition can hold metaphor very comfortably and is not a literalist tradition that demands our belief at face value of everything that we have written in Torah or in any part of Jewish tradition, right? That there's a, there's a flexibility, there's space there for reshaping or a different understanding of what we see. Talmud's a great example. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, of course, soon after, as, um, as Alan foreshadowed for us, we're going to have the Ten Commandments coming. And the very first thing that's asked of us in the Ten Commandments is possibly, you could interpret it as a statement of faith. Is a, is a demand that we have faith in one God and only one God, and that God is our God, right? And, and have you ever looked at Rashi's restatement in the Mishnah Torah of this first commandment of the Ten Commandments? So I have the beginning of it on the last page of the source sheet, and Rashi takes his entire introduction of his section, Yesodei HaTorah, the foundations of Torah, to be a, a logical proof, because Rashi, or sorry, Rambam, I'm, I'm misspeaking, because Rambam was a, was a rationalist and therefore wanted things to be provable. He did not want things to be taken on blind faith. And so Rambam took all of his, like, took Torah and everything that it says about God and said, okay, now let me take this and prove to you in a logical function how we can see that God exists. And what's asked for of us is not that we have faith, but that we have knowledge, right? That, and so you see that in his, in this part of his Mishnah Torah, the knowledge of this concept, specifically the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, uh, is a positive commandment. So he's saying this: the, the commandment that we are commanded there is not to have faith in some blind truth, but rather to have just to know that God exists, whether or not we believe or don't believe in God. How do you hold that? How do you reconcile the two parts of that? Yes. Is the microphone near there? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is how Rambam interprets it, but the way I might interpret it is it's about sort of Jewish education. Like um, I learned about the Exodus from Egypt. We discuss every a million times, throughout, like every day, every piece of everything. Um, and so like, I guess what it says is um, like, I'm the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt, right? Um, so knowing that, that that happened is an integral part of Jewish education and you know, whether or not we like deeply believe that or a million other things is maybe not the commandment, but, um, but, but having learned, learned that fact, I guess, or that idea. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Alan? When talking about faith, B'nai Yisrael have just experienced not one, not two, not three, but 10 separate instances of God's presence in doing things that are supernatural according to the text these are these are things that are outside of the norm and that one would not expect to be able to have and 
Yet, even after experiencing that connection and seeing God's worth right before their eyes and choosing to leave and not staying behind as others did, they still, when they have the, the, the midst of trouble, they start trembling. They say, where is God? What's going to happen? We, we've lost everything. And it's a sense of, well, he did it before, God did it before to help us, but now we're, we're on our own. But, the, but not when you, so many of us say, well, how can I believe in God? You know, what has God, you know, done for me? How can I, I haven't seen God's work, God's handiwork necessarily. One reason or another, they, uh, but for, based on the text, for these particular B'nai Israel, it should not be an issue of their faith. And yet, because of their slave mentality and not used to experiencing God, they still have this experience. For me personally, in terms of faith and belief, it's been a very evolving process. Like for you too, Sandra, it is growing up, I was much more of a, a Kaplan-esque kind of guy, powers for good in the universe, in, in the world. And now I take a much more personal approach, a la Heschel. But it is, but it evolves, it changes, and for all of us, and there are going to be times when we might have belief, and we might have faith, and we might not. One of the things, oh, yeah, so Sandra said that there, the um, Judaism doesn't give us one specific, narrow, well-defined understanding of God, but we can know that God exists just from a sense of truth and a sense of resonance in what we see around us in the love that we feel for each other, in the beauty that we see in the world, and that that knowledge can ground us. And Rambam too developed in his in his writings, right? We have here this in the Mishnah Torah, but we also the same Rambam who says Anima Amin Emuna Shlema, right? <laughs> like I believe in a full and complete faith that there is one God. And so, so what this moment in the Exodus holds for me. Because, of course, this is the moment in which we have the Erev Rav, right, the mixed multitude that left from Egypt. It's this incredibly human moment of crisis of faith, of wanting, of calling out for faith, of calling out for help. And maybe the Erev Rav was not the mixed multitudes of the people who left Egypt, but maybe each person who left Egypt had an Erev Rav within themselves. That there was, that all of these existed in each one of them, and all of these exist in each one of us, too. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.